Hello, and welcome to the Folklore and Fiction Podcast. My name is Kelly McCath-Morin. I'm a PhD candidate in the Folklore Department at Memorial University of Newfoundland, and I'm also a speculative fiction writer under the pseudonym C.S. McCath. The Folklore and Fiction Podcast and Dispatch synthesize these passions with a focus on folklore scholarship aimed at storytellers. You'll find the Folklore and Fiction archive along with the rest of my work online at folkloreandfiction.com. Interested listeners will find a link to the current dispatch in the show notes, where a more comprehensive record of this episode can be found, including a bibliography and other references. This episode of the Folklore and Fiction Podcast was first published as a newsletter in March 2020. I'm recording it as a supplemental podcast now so that new listeners and subscribers have an opportunity to engage with the material. In it, I'm discussing charms with help from scholars Jay Stanley Hopkins, Jonathan Roper, and others, discussing the use of charms in storycraft and providing you with an example and an exercise on the topic. Folkloric Discussion of Charms I've situated charms in a wider exploration of folk belief, but scholars also situate them in verbal lore. Jonathan Roper writes that charms are a, quote, force of patterned traditional utterance, a force which, when performed in a certain arena and sometimes accompanied by gesture and medicine, has been credited with the power to bring about changes in health, fortune, safety, and emotional state. So, verbal charms, or what are now commonly known as spells, could be defined as traditional verbal forms intended by their effect on supernature to bring about change in the world in which we live, end quote. I like Roper's description because it anchors charms in both genres and provides us with a definition to explore. First, they are patterned traditional utterances that may include alliteration, assonance, repetition of words or parts of words, rhyme, near rhyme, and other poetic devices. Second, they are performed in certain arenas or contexts. Monica Kropic writes in Slovenian charms, moon phases are especially important because they, quote, can greatly affect the outcome of a ritual, hastening or impeding the healing process, end quote. Other contexts may include situations of lack or illness the charm is intended to address, pain in need of abatement, binding spells to prohibit a person from causing harm, petitions for the help of saints, and so on. Third, there is the gestural component of Roper's description, which he describes as an enactment, adding that, quote, healing charms may be accompanied by particularly elaborate rituals involving massaging or stroking, blowing upon or spitting upon the sick part of the patient, the application of special preparations, etc., end quote. Finally, there may be actual medicine in a charm, Andrea Bargan writes that Germanic charms contained true medical prescriptions often based on much-respected herbs. Together, these components work in both the supernatural and the natural worlds to effect change. There are two more charm elements not mentioned in Roper's description that I'd like to address here before we look at an example. First, charms may be written down, in which case they are still counted as verbal lore but function as talismans. This is important to the present newsletter edition because the fictional example below contains talismans. Second, charms may contain other kinds of material culture besides herbs. Knives, foods, and other ingredients or accessories may also play a part in their creation and performance. Merseburg Charm 2 for an Injured Horse 
J. Stanley Hopkins is a Germanic scholar who recently undertook a translation and discussion of the old High German Merseburg Charm II, which was discovered in 1841 by George Waits and published with commentary by Jacob Grimm in 1842. Hopkins writes that both Merseburg charms, quote, provide an extraordinarily rare window into the pre-Christian beliefs of the continental Germanic peoples, end quote, and goes on to illuminate the cosmological underpinnings of MZ2 in an article well worth reading in its entirety. Merseburg II contains several charm elements familiar to scholars of the genre, but for the sake of brevity, I'll read it. This episode of the Folklore and Fiction podcast is a preview, and you can listen to the full episode on the Folklore and Fiction website. Just click on the dispatch link in the show notes, or go to folkloreandfiction.com and sign up for a free account. Thanks very much for your interest. Copyright 2019-2023. Kelly S. McCath-Morin. All rights reserved unless Creative Commons licensing is specifically applied.